0: hey welcome to church experience welcome to week two of our road trip series if it's your first time with us we would love to welcome you we'd love to connect with you the best way for us to do that is if you head over to churchexperience.tv connect you can bring your questions your comments your prayer requests we'd love to hear from you we'd love to answer those questions and we would love to be praying for you well i'm so excited this road trip series always is one of my favorites and i'm excited to see where we're going today so let's get it started let's all stand let's worship our god together
1: the darkness fears the voice that drove it back It's not my own, it's in, it's in your hands, I worship you because
2: Father, thank you so much for fighting for us, for always protecting us. For everything that we have, I pray that you continue to watch over us. Thank you for your presence and your grace. I pray that you remind us of your presence and your authority and I pray that you remind us that you're in control that you're the light and anything unseen is nothing you haven't seen before and I pray that You open our hearts and our minds so that way we can receive the message today. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.
3: church experience family what's going on welcome back to week number two of our road trip teaching series and welcome back to Michigan This is where I grew up about 1,200 miles north of where I live in Florida and man it's a beautiful place there's water everywhere in fact we're actually on the water right now we're in a ferry boat headed up to Mackinac Island it's gonna be a great adventure I can't wait to show you here in just a minute uh, but before we get into that you know michigan for me holds a lot of memories and i can't help everywhere i look i just think of the past i think of growing up one of the memories that just came to my mind today is when i was in high school I, I grew up surfing on the great lakes a lot of people don't know this but there's actually a great Lakes surfing association and so it's actually a thing it's just people don't know about it because the only time you can surf is when the storms come in so everybody else runs for cover and the surfers run out to the beach And one year I was surfing, it was like in December, and my mother literally took my surfboard away because it started snowing. So that's kind of a fun memory for me. But I absolutely love being on the water. I love being around all this, and it's, it's a great road trip. And the road trip, even though it takes a lot of work to get everything packed up, to get in the vehicle, take your family, and go out on the road, it's always worth it. And we've been talking about vision this month. We're talking about the vision that God wants to accomplish in your life. What he wants to do through your life and it's a lot of work just like it's a lot of work to go on a road trip but it's absolutely worth it and when we unpack all the things that god wants to do in in your future and your family the hopes and dreams that he's buried inside of you it's it's absolutely worth the journey and so let's jump back into our story just a little recap of where we were last week we we're talking about nehemiah this is a great leader he was in the persian empire Cupbearer to King Artaxerxes I, the son of Xerxes, Xerxes, his wife Queen Esther. Think about this; it's pretty cool. Nehemiah, the cupbearer, served the stepson of Esther. So, if you read the Book of Esther in the Bible, it's a pretty fascinating book. And this is his cupbearer to the stepson of Esther. It's pretty amazing. Well, he's in this story. He's he's talking about the ruin of Jerusalem. The walls have been broken down. 600 BC. The Babylonian Empire swoops in King Nebuchadnezzar, tears down the walls, takes the people into exile into a foreign land. So some of the, the nation of Israel are now back in Jerusalem, but the city walls are broken down, so they're vulnerable to attack. It's not a good situation. And Nehemiah hears about this. Last week where we were at, he, he hears about this. He weeps before God, he prays, he fasts, he tears him up inside. And, he, and out of that, the genesis of that that burden, becomes a vision for something better. And if, you, and if you're with us last week, we talked about how God often bursts something better out of something that's broken. And if you wanna see where you have greatest potential to, to see things improve in your life and get better, you have to look at what bothers you, what's broken, what's not as it should be. How can my family improve? How can my life improve, my health improve, my situation improve, it, my world improve? What, what is it that's not as it should be? Well, in Nehemiah chapter two, we see him finally get on site in Jerusalem, the the place where the walls are broken down. And this is what he says, Nehemiah chapter two, verse 17. Then I said to them, to the, the people of Jerusalem, you see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. So the good work of rebuilding the walls, which would protect the city, all the amazing progress that would lie ahead, it began with a vision. It began with a vision. And listen, God has some things that He wants to rebuild in your life. It might be some things that you've messed up and <laughs> that have fallen apart. Listen, you might have messes inside you that no one else sees, but, but God can absolutely rebuild that, what is in ruins right now that you have to get a vision for what could be. And that vision begins with you getting alone with God and getting His heart on what should be. And once you get that vision from God, then you can go to work and rebuild. But one of the principles that you have to understand if you're going to go out rebuilding something in your life is, is a principle that God always has more. He always has more. More for you. He wants, not everybody thinks that God wants something from me, but God actually wants more for you than He wants from you. And you have to understand that God always has more, more for your future, more for your family, more for your life, more than what you can possibly imagine, more than you could ask or imagine. That's the immeasurably more that God has for you. And my wife, Jen, she always has this phrase, like, don't settle. That's like a phrase of hers, like, don't settle for less. And and I actually want you to write some things down today as we go on this road trip together. And the first thing I want you to, to write down is never settle for less than God's best. Write that down, never settle for less than God's best. And he's got more for you, I'm telling you, whatever you think is good right now, God's got better. And it may not look the same way that you imagine it, but I'm just telling you, it's absolutely gonna be better. In fact, when we die, all of us are gonna die and this life is not gonna last forever, we know that. But, but what the, God's word tells us is that heaven is better than any eye has seen, any mind has imagined. So that means even if the rest of your life is terrible, and I hope it's not. But even if it is, we can confidently say the best is yet to come. Well, hey, we made it. We're here on Mackinac Island. Now, the word Mackinac is actually a French word. But the fort you see behind me, Fort Mackinac, was actually built by the British. They built it around the American Revolutionary War, and they occupied it until 15 years after the American independence. Honestly, I think they just didn't wanna give it up because it's got some pretty insane views of the water. It's built up on a hill. It's really amazing. And the US Army occupied it until 1895, when it was closed down as a military base and actually turned into a museum, which is what it is today. And you can go visit it if you take the road trip. Well, I wanted to show you these walls for a couple reasons. One, I think it's a pretty amazing sight to see if you've never been here. Maybe you'll never make it all the way up to Northern Michigan, but at least you can get a view of how incredible this, this fort actually is. But I also want you to see these walls. They're massive. And imagine these walls being knocked down by an invading army. They came and leveled these walls and they're all in ruins. And what if God tasked you with being the rebuilder of those walls? That's a pretty high vision. That's a pretty big task. Well, that's exactly what Nehemiah was tasked with doing, rebuilding the walls of God's city of Jerusalem. Let's pick up the story where we left off and let's jump to Nehemiah chapter four, verse one. Nehemiah chapter four, verse one, it says, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody just ticked at you? <laughs> greatly incensed? I mean, that's not just kind of they were upset or they got frustrated because you stepped on their toes. I mean, they're mad. And these guys are mad at Nehemiah and the Jews for rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It says that he ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side said, what they are building even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones. Wow. So they're being ridiculed. They're made fun of. I mean, they're just messing with them. And that there's an army there. So I mean, there's literally a threat building on the horizon. And this is a big problem. This is a big problem. You know, we're talking in this series about vision and what God might want to do in your life and through your life trying to raise the level of vision that you have for the immeasurably more that God has for you and those you care about. And the way you think about this in terms of what Nehemiah was trying to do, he was trying to do something that really mattered. He was trying to do something for God that benefited others. During our first week, we mentioned that a vision that's worthy of giving your life to is one that's not just about you, and it's one that didn't originate just inside of you. It's actually from God, and it's for others, for his people, ultimately for him. And that's the kind of vision that Nehemiah had. He had a big one, but he also had a big problem because now there's people that don't like what he's doing. They don't like seeing the walls rebuilt and they want to stop him. They're so angry. Like they're literally threatening him, ridiculing him. They can't stand what he's doing. You know, when you come up against a problem, how do you respond? We're going to see how Nehemiah responds, but how, how do you respond When you face a big problem, you know, can you think back, rewind the tape a little bit to the last time you faced a battle, a storm, last time you tried to summit a mountain? How did you respond? Yeah, when we see problems, our tendency can so easily be to run the other direction. When it gets difficult, when there's stormy waters, let's just turn around, let's go back. It'll be a little easier. Let's try another day. And what I noticed in Nehemiah's story, which is given to help us, ultimately to give us hope, point us to Jesus, the whole Bible's pointing to Christ, but it's also here to instruct us and help us and give us some wisdom. And, and I think the lesson I'm seeing in Nehemiah's life is this, I want you to write it down. When I run into problems, I don't run away. Let that be your new mantra. When I, when I run into problems, I don't run away. That's that's my new mantra for life, right? I mean, when I, when I hit problems, when I, when I hit the wall, I'm not going to run away. I'm going to rebuild that wall. Some, sometimes you need to break through a wall. Sometimes you need to go around it, but we don't run away. No matter what the size of the wall is, we're trying to rebuild. And it might be a, a really big problem when you look inside and you see all the things that need to be repaired that need to rebuild. Maybe relationships that were broken down that need to be restored. It can be a big problem. But I wanna challenge you to look not at the problem, but look at the God that's greater than your problem. When you stare at your problem, you get tunnel vision and, and all you can see is that problem and everything else is dwarfed in comparison to the size of your problem. But when you look past your problem and you look at your God who's so much greater than your problem, you get true perspective. And Nehemiah knew that although this wall rebuilding project was a really big project, he knew that his God was so much greater than what his problem was. It was even greater than his enemies that were trying to stop him. Nehemiah knew that God was on his side and with God on his side, he knew that he couldn't be stopped. Now, there's some wisdom when it comes to this because sometimes we're gonna come up against a problem and we should pull back. You know, my, my son, when he was in soccer and he was just a, a real little guy, you know, he, 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 had, he had fun running around on the field and every once in a while someone would kick the ball out of bounds and he got to do a corner kick. And, you know, typically you'd stand in the corner and you, you'd kick the ball in, in, onto the field. Well, him being really young, I think he was three, four, five, six, something like that, he, he would run actually in the opposite direction of the ball. He would run away so that he could get a lot of speed. And then he would run as fast as he could toward the ball and then he would kick the ball with everything he had. And he would actually go back so that he could go forward faster. You know, sometimes that's true in your life. You actually need to take a few steps back to get perspective, maybe to get some momentum, maybe to regroup, maybe you do need to try a different strategy. And, and when you're trying to bring about a change in your own life, in your family, in the community, you're trying to make a difference for the Lord, sometimes you do actually need to stop and pull back before you run forward. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 22, verse three, that says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. You know, it's not wise to keep charging ahead when there's danger in the road that could actually finish you and it could ruin you. And there's a time to pull back and be wise. And and that takes a lot of prayerful discernment. But I want you to remember this point. When I see a problem, when I run into a problem, I don't run away from it. And if you wanna be a leader that makes a difference for God, if you wanna pursue the vision that God has for you, you can't run every time there's a problem. Let's let's see what happens in, in verse six. They're facing this opposition, and it says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. They kept working. They didn't stop. They didn't let the opposition slow them down. See, when when you face a problem, you want to keep working. want to keep working. You you want to stop and, and pray and ask for God's strength, but you want to keep working. And that's exactly what they did. One of my favorite stories that, that those who know me well have heard this story before because I, I love it. It's one of those core stories of my life. It's a story I heard about D.L. Moody. So when D.L. Moody was traveling across the Atlantic Ocean on a missionary journey, I, I picture it much like this body of water, the Lake Huron that we're surrounded by today here at Mackinac Island. And he was traveling across this large body of water on a, on a big ship, but the ship caught fire. And it was obviously a big problem because if the ship burns down, they're gonna sink and they're gonna perish. And so a bucket forming line formed and on one end of the bucket passing line, uh, they were dipping the buckets into the ocean and they'd pass the buckets of water down the line and on the other end was the fire and they were dumping these buckets of water on the fire and they were continuously cycling these buckets down this bucket passing line and D.L. Moody's friend came to DL while he was in the line. Now DL Moody was a great evangelist, a great man of God, and his friend said, Hey DL, let's go in the back of the boat and let's pray and let's ask God to save us. And he said a line that I'll never forget. He said, No, we're gonna stay right here and we're gonna pray while we work. We're gonna pray while we work. It's the marriage of God's work and our work. It's it's praying like it all depends on God, but working like it depends on us. It's it's that amazing marriage of faith and work. And it's trusting in God, believing in Him first and foremost, but then also rolling up our sleeves and rebuilding that wall. And it will take a lot of work if you're going to rebuild your marriage. It's going to take a lot of work if you want to raise godly kids. It's going to take a lot of work if you want to maintain moral character in our immoral world. If you want to have sexual purity in a world that's rampant with sexual immorality. If you want to live for contentment and peace in a world that's dominated by greed it doesn't matter what it is that you're striving for it will be a lot of work so work like it depends on you but don't forget the other part pray like it depends on god because truly it does Well, thanks for coming with me on this road trip here to Mackinac Island today. And you, know, you can see the, the harbor behind me and the boats. And it's a beautiful place. One of the things you might not have noticed <laughs> is that there's no cars. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but there's, there's literally like no cars. They don't have motorized vehicles really on this island. You'll see a lot of horses. You'll see bicycles that people rent to go around this this uh, about four square mile island. It's It's a really cool place to be. It's very natural. There's shops. There's a fort, there's grassy, beautiful areas, there's water, there's all of that. But in the midst of all of it, there's these massive walls that were built for Fort Mackinac. And it brings me back to this story with Nehemiah and the massive walls that have been destroyed that need to be rebuilt. Let's go back to the story and see what happens in Nehemiah chapter four, verse seven. But when Samballot, Tobiah, Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. I said we just can't do it. We cannot rebuild the wall. You know, one of the biggest obstacles for pursuing the vision that God has put in your heart, whether it's to reach somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, to start a life group, to rebuild your family, (laughs) to start a new habit or discipline, grow closer to Jesus, whatever it might be, the greatest obstacle is usually not going to be one that's out there somewhere. It's one that's right in here, actually right in here in your mind. I cannot, did you hear that? It said, we cannot do it. Well, ultimately these walls would be rebuilt, but they said, we cannot do it. And if I looked at these walls at Fort Mackinac and someone told me, hey, these are in ruins, you have to rebuild it. We'll even give you a whole team of people to help, but you have to rebuild it. I might think I cannot do it. (laughs) I don't know how I can do this. And you probably have some cannots in your life that you don't even realize. There's there's dreams you've backed away from. There's vision that you could pursue that you've said no to because you've ultimately said, whether you've voiced it or not, you've said, I cannot. Write this statement down. I will not surrender to cannot. I will not surrender to cannot. You need to get that in your mind and in your heart because when you're following God, the cannots cannot keep you from God's vision. You gotta push through them. You gotta change your perspective. Bring it to God. If it seems bigger than you, well, the reality is it might be, but it's not bigger than God. There's a motivation question probably for a lot of us when it comes to the cannots in our life. Sometimes the reason why we don't push through and we we cannot, and so we don't, is because the motivation is just not strong enough to push through the problems. I heard a story about motivation one time that just just made me laugh so hard. It's the story of these 12-year-old girls at a private school in Washington. And they had a habit of going in the girls' bathroom and putting thick lipstick all over their lips and pressing their lips against the girls' bathroom mirror. And they'd leave all these, like, dozens of lip marks all over the bathroom mirror. They just thought it was fun, they be being 12-year-old girls. <laughs> well, day after day, the janitor would come in at night and clean up all these dozens of lipstick marks over the mirror. And then it took a lot of work. And so he cleaned clean it up, and then the next day, the girls would just put them right back on the mirrors. Well, the principal finally had enough. The janitors had been complaining. They came up with a plan. And one day during school, they called all the girls into the girls' bathroom, all the girls they thought had something to do with this. And they're all standing around, and the principal gives them the speech. Hey, you got to stop doing this. We, we don't know who's doing it, when you're doing it, but you got to stop because it's a lot of work. Not sure that that would be enough motivation. Their plan was actually much more extensive to get these girls to stop. At that point he had the janitor come in and he said hey this this person puts a lot of time into cleaning these mirrors And I just want you to see all the work is required in cleaning this mirror off every day So that you'll be reminded not to do this and at that the janitor came over and pulled out a long handle squeegee Dipped the long handle squeegee in the toilet and says I have to do this every night And goes over to the mirror and cleans off the lipstick marks uh, You can bet that those girls Never did that again. You're not putting your lips on something that's been in the toilet, right? They had a new motivation. I don't know that it would have been enough of a motivation had the principal just said, This is a lot of work for somebody. But when they showed them the consequences, they had new motivation. You know, maybe, maybe you have a motivation problem in the cannot in your life. Maybe the thing that hasn't moved, it hasn't changed. Maybe it's that your motivation is not strong enough. Well, seeing your vision more clearly always helps strengthen your motivation, writing down your goals, talking it out with others until you can get it down to a sentence. For Nehemiah, I'm gonna rebuild the walls. That was it, that was his vision. But in the end of the day, even a clear vision sometimes can still lead to a cannot, I cannot do it. So where do you find the greatest motivation in life to do something that maybe you're not really sure how you're gonna change what's going on in here or out there? Here's where you go, you go to Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate motivation the one who died on the cross for your sins, who hung on the cross so that you could live. He gave his life so that you could find life, life full, full of joy and hope and peace and purpose. He did all of that for you because he loves you, because he cares about you, because he wants to be in a relationship with you. That's the Jesus that you and I serve. And that is our core motivation. I wanna point you to this verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now that's real love. And that's our greatest motivation for pursuing vision, to please God because we love him and because he first loved us. I wanna one last time look back at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11. There's one more really powerful lesson here that I think is gonna really help you a lot. Nehemiah 4, verse 11. Also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who had lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, putting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Listen, they had motivation. Did you see that? They had motivation. Fight for the things that matter most. And then look at this last verse. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. See, they had a work before them, and they said, we can't stop, we can't quit. We've got to go after this work. This work matters. And the work that God's given you to do, it matters. The vision that he's put in your heart, it matters for you, for the other lives that you will touch. But I know that there can be fears when you think about pursuing a vision, when you think about the challenges and the obstacles, fear can increase. But listen, as your faith grows, as you trust in God, as you look to your provider, your problems decrease. So pray hard. Yes, work hard, but pray hard and lean into the trust that you have in your great provider, your provider who's greater than your problems. Let me leave you with this statement today. Pray through for the breakthrough. Pray through for the breakthrough. I don't know where I first heard that. I think it might've come from Mark Batterson who wrote The Circle Maker, a great book. He talks about circling your problems in prayer. And I don't know what problems that you have today, but I wanna encourage you that when you pray, God will strengthen you. The fears will decrease, your faith will increase, and you'll be able to press through, work hard, and see God raise up a great wall in your life. Whatever wall is in ruins, whatever, whatever is in ruins inside of you, God can help you rebuild and restore and redeem everything that was lost by His great power and by His grace. Right on. Hey, let's pray together. Hey God, thanks so much for the rebuilding that you're doing in our lives. Thank you so much for the power that you give us to press through the problems. Father, I pray that you would help us to rely on you, to trust in you, no matter what's going on in our lives so that we can chase the vision that you put in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would give us boldness and courage to pursue you and the work that you put before us. And as we do it, and as we keep our eyes on you, may the fears decrease and may our faith increase. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Well, man, what an amazing service that was. We would love to hear what you thought about it. Head over to churchexperience.tv slash connect. Leave your questions, your comments, your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get back to you. And we would love to be praying for you. If you want some more Church Experience content throughout your week, head over to our social media platforms, our Facebook, our Instagram. Head over to the Church Experience website. we love to keep you up to date with everything going on here at CE. Well, you are not going to want to miss next week, the finale, the final week of our road trip teaching series. Until then, we'll see you.